Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast. Table Flippers is an outreach of Greater Works Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos, along with Chippy the Chipmunk. If it wasn't for me, no one would listen to this show. It's all about Chippy. Get ready to be challenged, to be confronted with truth and reality, and get ready for a revolution. It's found at Table Flippers. Oh, boy. Here we go again. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we've all heard war is hell. And watching this conflict between Israel and Hamas, well, we can see it. Hell on earth. We're watching as people are dying. We're watching as a city is being destroyed. We watched and we saw and heard how terrorists, Hamas terrorists, marched into Israel and killed civilians, uh, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, the elderly, uh, killed and raped and maimed women, and not just murdered children, but murdered these little babies by beheading them, and at least in one case, putting a child, a baby, into an oven in front of that baby's parents mother and turning that oven on and baking that child alive we heard of the horrors that these hamas terrorists perpetrated against israeli citizens there in israel in their own hometown in their own homes some of them being burned alive some of them being paraded down the street naked and then raped and then murdered uh children uh young girls as young as eight years old having their arm cut off by these terrorists uh young girls women being raped, gang raped, to the point that at least one of them had their pelvis broken because of the continued rape. Uh, We've heard of these things. And ladies and gentlemen, even though we know war is hell, that's not war. Okay, that's not war. Now, war is always ugly, and war always has, always has, some kind of, uh, of course, I know this is obvious, so I'm going to say something that's so obvious it's going to be stupid, to be honest with you, but it has that negative part of it, that bad part of it. And we, you know, and we say automatically, yeah, it's the killing, it's the maiming. Yes, of course. But in every war, you look at World War One, you look at World War Two, you look at the Vietnam conflict, you look at any war, and there's going to be um, some wrong reasons for that war. And a lot of people are saying, well, war is always wrong. You know, yeah, uh, yes, it is. Like, uh, let's look at this conflict that we're looking at right now people say it's wrong well yeah it is it is wrong for people to cross the border illegally and start murdering raping killing torturing the citizens of another country that's wrong okay now a lot of people say well it's wrong what israel is doing well on one hand i would say i cannot stand it i don't like it but that's not the wrong part. They're making sure that that never happens again in their country, at least by those perverts, sick, disgusting, evil perverts. So, you know, yes, war is hell and war is wrong. However, just as we can point out that there's the wrong side, the wrong component, the wrong reasons, we can also look at the right reasons for war. For instance, Israel. Now, before anybody says anything about about me or about this, you know, I just this whole thing has been bothering me because I have this this um, 
I'm going to say gentleman, young gentleman, who's uh, on my Instagram. He uh, is one of those trolls, you know, that posts something and he trolls and he gets nasty and he, he starts cussing and everything. So I've been going back and forth with him for literally months now. But ever since this Israel-Hamas conflict, it's really heightened. He's a, a supporter of the Palestinians, you know, because he thinks that they're just so, they're just so, uh, uh, you know, just nice people. And they're innocent and bad, waskily uh, Israel. Um, I'm actually going back to the <laughs> Rush Limbaugh days, those waskily Republicans. <laughs> So those wascoey Israels, you know, um, now doing all this war crime and killing children. Oh, my gosh, they're killing children. But he can't bring himself to the place. I mean, this guy, again, ladies and gentlemen, as I said in my last episode, my mind processes things through a kind of a comedic lens. Not because I'm trying to make light of everything, not at all, but sometimes... Uh, it's difficult for me to stomach certain things if I can't see it through a comedic lens. Now, what I mean by that, again, and I know I explained it in my last episode, I'm not trying to make light or a war or people dying comedy. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. But arguing with somebody who so foolishly and so ignorantly is pointing fingers at Israel because they're defending themselves and trying to put a stop to this nonsense once and for all, they're the bad guys, you know, uh, forgetting the fact that it was Hamas, Hamas terrorists who marched into Israel and started cutting off babies' heads and baking them alive in ovens and cutting off the arms of young children. Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, that, that, that's bad. But, but you know, uh, Israel's killing more people. So? <laughs> so? You know, and I, I heard uh, Ben Shapiro talking about this in regard to the Nazis and uh, when the Allied forces came in to fight against the Nazis in World War II. You know, you look at the Nazis and how many people they had killed or that were dead because of them, whether it be the Holocaust of the Jews, six million of them, or the war in, an, in itself where they're invading other countries and killing the French people, killing Polish people and such. You know, so at what point do you, you know, if you say, look at, you know, uh, Germany just rounded up a bunch of Jewish people and killed, let's, let's just say this number, just to make it easy, a million of them so far, a million of them. And then they marched into France, and now half a million French people are dead because of this war, uh, uh, unprovoked war between France and Germany. So now they're responsible for you know, a million and a half deaths uh, because they invaded this country and rounded up these Jews. So the Allied forces say, well, we got to stop this. We got to roll in there. We got to put a stop to this. We got to make sure that they never do this again. How many people did they kill? A million and a half. Okay, um, um, military, U.S. military, French military, uh, English military. Listen, everybody, we got to keep a, a count. We can only kill a million and a half Germans. That's right, only a million and a half. Because they killed a million and a half, we can only kill a million and a half. And once we hit that mark, it's life for life, pound for pound. We have to stop. All right, is everybody clear on that? Is everybody clear on that? So can you imagine the Allied forces rolling into Europe, across Europe, France, and then into Germany, and they actually have bean counters at the front of the line with nothing else to do but to, you know, 
to, to, to have these big binoculars looking out over the battlefield. Oh, one German down. Oh, two German down. Three German down. Four German down. Five German down. Hey, how many of you guys up? We got 50. We got 100. We got, okay, tally it all up. Okay, we, can, we, we have 100,000 more Germans that we can kill before we have to stop to make it even. Okay? Okay? You know, no, war does not work that way at all. As a matter of fact, in some foolish people's minds, it should work that way, but it doesn't. It doesn't, and nor should it. Do you know when you stop killing in a war? Once it gets and escalates to that problem, do you know when you stop killing? When you finish the job, and there's absolutely no way the enemy can come back, regroup, and kill another innocent life. That's when you stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. What about the innocent people? Okay, let's get back to Israel and Hamas for a minute. So these Hamas terrorists, because that's what they are, but Hamas also is the leader, the government, if you will, of the Palestinians, Gaza Strip, Palestinian, all them, you know, okay, those Palestinian Arabs. And isn't it interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that so many people, think about this for just a moment, so many people are calling Israel apartheid. Many are calling Israel the apartheid state. Okay, now the word apartheid, because I'm sure you've heard this if you haven't even, if you haven't used it, you've at least heard it by now. Many people calling Israel apartheid, saying they're the apartheid state. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen, I have in my phone right now, in my hand, on my phone, this thing called a dictionary. It's a Merriam-Webster's dictionary. I actually downloaded it for free. And I decided just mere moments ago to open it up, type in apartheid. And now the definition for apartheid pops up. It's an amazing thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's an amazing tool. It's an amazing thing to have on my phone that I carry with me everywhere, literally everywhere, all times. This thing called a dictionary that could actually tell me the meaning of words. So when somebody uses this concept or this word, this idea that Israel is apartheid, then I can look up that word apartheid to see exactly what it means and to see if it fits and if it fits into that narrative that they're trying to push. So let me read to you apartheid. Remember, people are saying Israel is apartheid. Let me read to you what apartheid means. I don't know why I'm doing this strange uh thing with my voice, but uh, here it goes. Apartheid. The definition for apartheid, it's a noun, by the way. Definition, number one, racial segregation. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, ladies and gentlemen, if you've actually ever walked the streets of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you've ever walked uh, near the Sea of Galilee, if you've ever walked in any of the towns or villages of Israel, you know what you noticed? or you should notice what I noticed right away, that there's people of all races, all colors, all creeds, all religions, walking around in Jerusalem. Check this out. Let me tell you just from my own experiences, sisters. When we were in Jerusalem, I've been there several times now, one of my most favorite places in all the world. Anywhere in the world is the Western Wall. And I'll just be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, because there's so much prayer going on there, not only from the Jewish people that call Israel home, 
but from Christians all around the world, whether they be Pentecostal, Charismatic, Charismaniac, Baptist, whether they be from United States, Mexico, whether they be from uh, Nigeria or some other African nation, whether they be from uh, anywhere, Europe, anywhere in Europe, mo- many of those Christians that go there to the Holy Land to see the land of their roots make it to the Western Wall. And what do they do with the Western Wall? They do what the Jewish people have been doing for many, 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 many years. Go down to the Western Wall and pray. And what's really kind of cool is they have these little pieces of paper and pencils down there near the wall that you can scratch out, write out a prayer to God. You take that to the wall and you find a, a crack or a crevice in the wall that will hold that little piece of paper and you put it in there. And there's dozens and dozens, there's hundreds of these, uh, uh, you know, as, as high as the arm can reach and as low as they can get it before it hits the floor. And they put it in a crack or crevice in the wall and then they stand, you stand there and you pray to God. You, you pray over what you wrote on that on that little piece of paper put it in there, you pray over it, you pray to God, you pray about, you could spend uh, five minutes there, you can spend five hours there, you, you can, and just pray. There's chairs usually set up around uh, the wall, in front of the wall for people to sit down if they're going to sit down and pray for a little while or contemplate, meditate on the, on the things of God, meditate upon their own life. But nonetheless, it's a place of prayer. And when I, every time I go there, I'm absolutely amazed. Now, anybody that really, really knows me, I'm big on prayer and I love the presence of God. I love the anointing. I love the presence of God. I love coming into that place where you can just sense God's presence and make that deep connection with him. And I've been in some great worship services in my time and some great prayer meetings and great services in church where you can feel that presence of God, that, that, that somehow our inhibitions and who we are is just dismantled enough to get into his presence and connect with him. I've been in those services, I've been in those meetings, but never, ever have I ever experienced that type of, um, that sense of the presence of God as I have at the Western Wall there in Jerusalem. And what's so interesting, when I've gone, of course, there's a lot of Jewish people there, and, and, and they sway, and they chant, and they read their prayer books, and, and they're there, it's solemn, and they're just there to focus on God and pray. I've seen people from the United States there. I've seen people from from uh, South America there. I've seen people from Central America. I've seen people from African countries such as Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, Ghana. I've I've seen people from Europe. We've seen Italians, uh, French people, Russians. I've seen Russian people there. Light-skinned, blonde hair, blue-eyed Russians. All there praying all there looking at the sites, all getting in contact with the Holy Land, the land of their roots, at least religious roots. So as far as that's concerned, certainly not apartheid. Okay, now, as we go there and we meet different people and we greet different people and we're invited to different people's, whether they be their homes, their ministries, their churches, whatever it is, when we go to these, we meet all kinds of people from all nationalities and backgrounds. Uh, we meet Arab. I'm just, I'm not going to name names or where we met them because I don't want to open any bad doors for them. But Arab Christian women we've met. We've met people who have made Aliyah from Russia, so Russian background, 
uh, even literally uh, people with very like African looking, I don't know if they were actually from Africa, but African looking people who wear the, the uh, Orthodox Jewish clothing and such and are there because they've made Aliyah, they live there, they move there. And so they're very dark skin, claim to be um, and are accepted as Jews, but clearly not from that, you know, uh, originally from that region with the, the Jewish people there that are presently. But now they've made Aliyah and they're accepted and welcomed in. We, we've seen where we've been near the border fence and there's checkpoints that go into these different areas, such as, you know, Palestine, the Gaza Strip and such, where people from the Gaza Strip can come in. You know, they have to have the right papers and everything to work or to uh, shop, to do business, things of that nature. And they can go back and forth. We've been at different checkpoints uh, in our vehicles. Same thing. They check our, our papers and everything just to make sure we're where we're supposed to be and we are who we say we are and we can go. And, and we've been th- into towns that are, um, you know, what they might say, Arab controlled towns there in the land of Israel. And, you know, and we can get in and we can get out and we meet these different people from different cultures, Arab cultures, Palestinian, is, uh, Israelis, Jews, Christians. And they're all in the land of Israel. Okay, so let me read this uh, uh, apartheid, just so you know. Racial segregation is the very first definition. Specifically, a former policy of segregation and political, social, and economic discrimination against the non-white majority in the Republic of South Africa. So this word was basically, for the most part, um, created and used to describe what was going on in South Africa when the South African whites uh, segregated themselves from the South African blacks, okay? So, um, but we'll, we'll apply it to this whole thing that's going on in Israel right now for just a moment. So clearly, if you've ever been to Israel, if you just have a, a, the slightest understanding of what goes on in Israel, in Israel, then you would know that Israel is not apartheid in any way, shape, or form. At all, nada, at all, no way. And that is one of the greatest lies that's being pushed and one of the greatest lies that are being believed by people that just, I'm I'm gonna be nice, ladies and gentlemen, it's very difficult for me. It physically pains me to be nice, but I'm gonna be nice. I'm not gonna call them names. I'm just gonna say this, they're ignorant. Ignorant in their understanding of what Israel is all about, who Israel is, and all of that. And it's sad to me because now they're discriminating against and and perpetuating a lie against this nation and this people that's leading to their harm and their destruction. Because by doing so, people are taking the side of terrorists. Now, when we were there, there were certain towns and such that I wanted to visit. My first trip there. I wanted to go visit because remember, Go to the Holy Land. I'm a Christian. I'll go to the Holy Land. I want to see where Jesus walked. I want to see where, you know, uh, my belief system took form and took shape and where it came from. Where did Jesus live? Where did the disciples live? Where did even our, our the fathers of the faith going back before Jesus, such as Moses and Abraham and Gideon and, and um, these different ones, Joshua and these different ones, I wanted to go see the land that brought all who I am and what I believe into existence. 
And there was a lot of places, of course, like Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, where we were able to go and see and see proof that the Bible is true. There's a lot of people say, well, you know, the Bible's not true. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Please, 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 people. (sighs) Those who think that the Bible is not real and the Bible's not true, uh, that's ignorance on a level I, 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 I can't even connect with. It doesn't even make sense to me. Because when you read about places in the Bible... That, that, you know, it was written, say, 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. And then you can walk the land and you can, wow, look at this uh, landscape. Look at this building. Look at the way this is. The Bible described this exactly the way it is. Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was, was uh, uh, crying out to God before his crucifixion. And the, and the sweat came out of his brow like blood. Well, that garden there is it's still there. You know, when you talk about they talk about the valleys and the stream or the brook this and the stream that and the valley this and the valley that and the gate of the city. Well, a lot of those things are still you're still able to find them. They're still there. They haven't moved in two thousand years. And then somebody's going to come along and say, "Well, you know, the Bible's not even right. It's not even true." Really? You see that gate of that city on that ancient ancient wall right there? That was in the Bible. Do you see that building that they just uncovered over there and the markings on it that's been in the ground for a thousand years? That's in the Bible. You know, anyways, let me get off that for a moment. Back to Israel being apartheid. Again, apartheid basically means segregation, separation, racial segregation. And that is not Israel whatsoever. Whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I had the chance several years ago to meet the... uh, uh, one of the, um, he worked for the ambassador, what do they call it? Uh, anyways, one of the guys upper, upper, uh, you know, um, like an ambassador to Los Angeles from Israel. Now I can't remember his name. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I had a chance to meet with him and sit down in, in a room with a small group of Christians. And what he told me, he and the, and the people that worked in his office, all Israelis, they're here uh, for diplomatic reasons, but all Israelis, High-ranking Israeli officials, what did they tell us? He says, our greatest allies in the world are not other countries. They're not other political figures. It's Christians. He says, we're finally figuring that out, that it's Christians. When I was in Israel, there's a, in old Jerusalem, again, I don't want to give out too much detail because I don't want to create problems for these people because there's a lot of crazy people in this world. But there's a a a business there in old Jerusalem and there's a gentleman there he's a a Jewish rabbi and when we went to a shop we were we were told by some friends who had been there previously hey go to this guy's shop he's a great guy so we went there met him talked to him a little bit he closed up his shop put the turned the sign around from open to close pulled out some chairs just to sit down and talk with us Jewish rabbi in old Jerusalem okay Old Jerusalem, bunch of Christians from from California. And we were able to sit down and have a phenomenal, fantastic, great and gracious conversation about the word of God, about each other, about ourselves, our belief system, why we believe what we do. Great conversation. And we we left. I'm not going to say friends because friendship has developed over time. But yes, I would consider him a friend. And we left that his shop, we left his business, um, just strengthened. I was actually strengthened in my own faith by someone who didn't share my faith, but because his arms were open and he was so welcoming. Um, Apartheid, 
Anybody that believes that, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you think, even for a moment, that Israel is apartheid, you've been brainwashed. You've believed the in, the false narrative and the indoctrination. You've believed that nonsense. But let me tell you, who is apartheid? Remember, apartheid basically comes down to racial segregation. Segregation means separation. You know, like, hey, in this sense, you're racial. It's racial. You're, you're black, you go over there, I'm white, we'll go over here, we're not going to mix unless we absolutely have to. And then we'll just mix, take care of business, and then go back to your black session, I'll, take, I'll go back to my white section, and we'll be at peace that way. Come over over here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jack you up. You co- if we go over there, you're going to jack us up, so we're going to stay away from each other. That's basically apartheid. All right. For the most part, it could it's it was mainly racial segregation, but it could be religious segregation. You still didn't see that. You still didn't see that there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. I, 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 I it blows my mind. Not just what people say, because there's evil people, there's liars, and there's evil people in this world. It's who believes them. That's what blows my mind. There's so many people that believe that narrative and that lie. That Israel is apartheid. And it's disgusting. And all they're doing is emboldening the terrorists and the murderers that put babies in ovens, chop little girls' arms off, rape women literally until their pelvises are destroyed. You're empowering those, those sickos. You're empowering those sickos. I'll tell you who is apartheid there. The Palestinians. Why? Because even though Israel lets the Palestinians come into Israel to do business, to work, to shop, to go eat lunch, whatever they want to do. And then when they're done, they go back over into Palestine. The Palestinians don't let the Jews do that. Jewish people would be murdered over there by the Palestinian people. Because they say, see, this is Hamas doing this. And now the Palestinians are paying for it. Well, yeah, because the Palestinians are Hamas. Hamas are Palestinians. They work together. Uh, come on. The Palestinians did nothing to stop the terrorists. They were dancing in the streets, shouting and waving their flags in support of what Hamas did. And they were celebrating all the way up until Israel lobbed a bomb at them. Now they're going, oh, Israel, you're so cruel. You're so evil. You're killing our children. No, Palestinians, you killed your children. You killed your children the moment you let Hamas set up camp in your territory, in your city, in your region. You killed your children the moment you allowed Hamas to build their army headquarters under hospitals. You, Palestinians, killed your children when you let Hamas set up their rocket launchers in schools. You killed your children. How dare you? How dare you? So who are the apartheid state over there? The Arabs, the Palestinians. Because there was places that I, a Christian from the United States of America, could not go. And they told me, you cannot go there. And I would say, why can't I go there? Because those people will kill you. You won't make it back alive. Why would they do that to me? I'm not part of this mess because you're not one of them. Who's the apartheid state? Palestinians, Gaza, Hamas for sure. That's who is apartheid. So those of you out there say, Israel is apartheid. Shut up. Go get an education. Go get an education. Learn something real. Turn off the BBC. Turn off CNN. Turn off the major news networks that's indoctrinating you uh, and lying to you and giving you and feeding you falsehoods. Because all you're doing is supporting the wicked terrorists that have been baking children alive 
cutting off their arms, cutting off their heads, and raping the women. You are part of that when you start believing and pushing a lie. It, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind, ladies and gentlemen, just to see how this is happening. So this is what me, got me thinking about this whole concept and this idea of not just apartheid, but the falsehood, the lies that have been perpetuated throughout this whole conflict. This is from the Daily Wire, an article from the Daily Wire, and it says, BBC, uh, what does BBC stand for? I know it's the British, the, uh, from England, British broadcaster something, British broadcasting something. Anyways, BBC, it's it's uh, Great Britain's version of CNN for the most part. So you know that they're just, you know, spot on 100% telling the truth all the time. That's sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen. BBC falsely accuses Israel Defense Forces of war crimes, then apologizes. So, of course, that captured my attention because I don't really watch the major news networks such as, you know, BBC, certainly not CNN, you know, the Communist News Network. It, it, it's all lies. Oh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, just, just this is a little side note. How, you see, in, in Islam, part of the Muslim religion, they have this thing, this idea, they have this concept, and I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly because I don't know Arabic, I'm not an Islamic, but it's tikya, and at least it's transliterated uh, T-A-Q-I-Y-Y-A. You may want to look this up, or T-I-Q-I-Y-A. There's either one I or two Ys, depending on who's writing it, I guess. Tikya. And... It literally, and I'm looking at the meaning of this again, is a precautionary dissimulation or denial of religious belief and practice. Basically what it is, is to put it in a nutshell, to make it easy, tikiya is the idea in Islam, the the, uh, Muslim religion, that you can lie if it benefits you as as a Muslim or the Muslim faith, you can lie even to the point of saying, "Oh, me? I'm not. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not Islamic." No, no, no. That's not if if it's going to protect you or help you or help Islam. You can lie. Okay, you can lie if it helps Islam. Um, so with that woven into their religion, let's face it, how could you ever believe a Muslim? I'm just, going, I'm just being honest. You know, because in the Christian faith and in the Jewish faith, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not bear wa- false witness. To put that bluntly and in a nutshell, don't lie. That's a command of God, not to lie. And yet, in, in uh, Judaism and Christianity, we are told and commanded by God not to lie not to tell any falsehoods. Yet, it's the opposite with the Muslims. In Islam, you can lie if it benefits you as a Muslim or the Muslim faith. You can lie. Go ahead and lie. It's okay. Um, so how could you ever, ever believe a Muslim? So when you see the pictures, this over and over and over and over, the Muslims there in Palestine and Gaza have been caught flat lying. Remember, there was this hospital that was blown up at least uh, uh partially blown up and immediately the gazans oh see israel blew up our hospital they're targeting uh innocent people they're targeting the sick they're targeting hospitals well it turns out that it was uh 
Hamas, who set up a rocket launcher next to a hospital, very close to the hospital, and they're not the smartest people in the world. They blew up their own uh, rocket launcher on accident, took out part of the hospital, and then blamed it on Israel. And they got caught red-handed. They have pictures of these body bags or these white sheets with the supposed dead underneath them. And people around crying, and it's almost like, you know, very surreal. And it's like everybody's crying and everybody's, you know, uh, uh, just going crazy, blaming Israel. And then, you know, you'll see people um, scratching their nose (laughs) in the body bag or underneath the white sheet. Or one at one point, they were carrying the body like they were going to take the body out to bury the body. And everybody's crying and everything. They got the body there under a white sheet. And then they look up and here comes, here comes Israel, <laughs> the military. So they put the bodies down and they take off running. Well, the people under those sheets pulled the sheets down, saw uh, the, the IDF coming. They jumped up and took off running. In other words, they weren't dead. They weren't even harmed. There's another video of, of a mom coming to the hospital because she heard her son was taken to the hospital and she busts into the room. He's wrapped up, his head's all wrapped up in gauze and there's blood stains on it and he's got blood stains on him. And she's like freaking out, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on? What's going on? And then uh, um, somebody grabs the gauze and takes it off his head and his head's fine. And he's, he's fought or caught telling his mom, mom, chill, chill out, calm down. It was just for the camera. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. How can you believe, how can you believe anybody who claims to be Muslim an Islamist, as long as they have this tikya idea, concept, ideology that tells them, go ahead and lie. Go ahead and lie. If it's going to help us, you can lie. Nothing they say has any credibility anymore. Nothing. And then there's people, and they say, uh, Israel is apartheid. And then what happens? People in the West, oh, Israel is apartheid. These poor Palestinians who did nothing to stop Hamas, who did nothing to alert people in Israel or other parts of the world to Hamas and what they're planning and what they're doing, who allowed these poor Palestinians, who allowed Hamas to build military headquarters under their hospitals and put rocket launchers in their schools where their children go to school. Poor Palestinians. (laughs) Anyways, back to this Daily Wire. BBC falsely accuses Israel Defense Forces of war crimes, then apologizes. And this is by Hank... Berrien, uh, November 15th, 2023. Oh, that's today. I didn't realize this came out today. And there's a picture on this with some people. It looks like they're probably in uh, Great Britain somewhere. And a gentleman's holding up the sign, a red sign that says, BBC, if the king can call Hamas terrorists, so can you. Another gentleman has a Israeli flag draped over his shoulder and he's holding up a big sign and across the top says kidnapped. And it has a picture of a two, two-year-old Israeli. I can't tell if it's a boy or girl, but a, a two-year-old. And I'm just reading it. Aviv, two-year-old Israeli who was kidnapped by Hamas and is held somewhere um, in Gaza. This article says the BBC, which has presented an editorial slant against Israel for years, was forced to apologize Wednesday for falsely accusing Israel Defense Forces of committing war crimes in its attack on a Hamas command 
node at the Al Shifa Hospital in Gaza. A BBC presenter falsely claimed twice on air that Reuters had reported that the IDF had targeted medical teams as well as Arabic speakers instead of what Reuters actually reported, which was that the IDF had included medical teams and Arabic speakers on its team. And by the way, I was reading somewhere else that when the IDF, the military, went in, they're going to uh, um, take this hospital. Why? Because there was a particular Hamas leader and his henchmen that was in this hospital Remember, they choose places like this because they know that Israel, um, they're far less likely to go after civilians. So they don't, so they surround themselves, these these terrorists surround themselves with civilians to try to keep uh, the IDF away from them. And if the IDF does go after them and civilians are actually hurt or killed, now they have this propaganda. Look what they do. They target, they target women and children when it's really the exact opposite it's really the opposite but again people in the west don't know how to actually do some real world research and and figure it out for themselves so here we are ladies and gentlemen so the idf goes in to this hospital and they take along with them medical teams and they take along with them arabic speakers now they take medical teams to make sure that the people that are sick and suffering and hurt in this hospital get the best care possible, okay? And they take Arabic speakers because the people in that hospital, for the most part, speak Arabic, and they want to make sure that they can communicate clearly with the doctors, the nursing staff, the patients. So here, we're going to go in there, we're going to take out the bad guys, but as we are doing our job taking out the bad guys, we have medical teams to help your doctors, your nurses, and the people that are sick, we're gonna, we, we want to help you. We have Arabic speakers so that there's no miscommunication, that you can communicate freely and clearly with them, medical team to medical team, doctor to doctor, nurse to nurse, patient to doctor, all of that. We're going to bring whatever we can to help. And the other article that I read said they also brought in medical supplies, bandages, gauze, um, you know, penicillins, things of that name, medical supplies that they might need in that hospital, okay? And so the BBC was lying about the whole thing. Let me go on. It says, we are hearing from Reuters that is reporting that Israel, it says its forces are carrying out an operation against Hamas in Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital, and they are targeting people, including medical teams, as well as Arabic speakers. They are also saying that Israel is calling on all Hamas operatives in the hospital to surrender at this point. The BBC presenter claimed, then repeated once again, we are hearing Reuters that Israel says its forces are carrying out an operation against Hamas in that hospital that we had just heard of. They are targeting Arabic speakers as well as some of the medical staff there, and they are asking all Hamas operatives in the hospital to surrender. I think the only thing that that um, BBC reporter got right was the fact that, well, two things, I guess. The uh, Israelis are going in. They got that right. And they are asking that Hamas just basically surrenders. So those two things they got right, okay? Everything else, they twisted and absolutely lied. The Israeli forces did not, did not go in there targeting medical teams or Arabic speakers. Instead, they brought Arabic speakers to help in the communications and the distribution of the medicines and the medical supplies 
and to help the doctors and the nurses on both sides get the job done. And they brought medical teams to help the already present medical teams that are in that hospital. Um, BBC, you should be absolutely 100% ashamed of yourself. You should close your doors. Yes, you should go out of business, close your doors, walk away. You are a disgrace. You are a disgrace. Anyways, let me go on. In a X tweet, what do they call X tweets or tweets now? Because when it was Twitter, it was t- tweets on Twitter. What is it? Um, I don't know. X tweet. I'll just call it that. Andrew Fisher, somebody named, I'm sorry, Adam Fisher wrote, in the original broadcast, the BBC newscaster made sure to repeat the scandalous lie twice in case anyone missed it or misunderstood. Yosef Haddad wrote as well, BBC, if you don't want to apologize over and over again for the false information you propagate against Israel, maybe just start publishing the truth. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you, Yosef, um, for pointing that out. That's something that all common sense people know and understand. Uh, I wish that the BBC understood this, and I wish Western America, Western Christians understood this, or just people in general would understand that. If you don't want to have to apologize for the lies, stop telling lies. Just start telling the truth from the get-go. says, later, another presenter offered a muted apology on behalf of the network, stating, and now an apology from the BBC. BBC News, as it covered initial reports that Israeli forces had entered Gaza's main hospital. I don't know why I'm trying to sound like, um, oh, what was his name? Um, Winston Churchill. Uh, Maybe I can do that again, sound a little bit better like him. And now an apology from the BBC. BBC News, as it covered initial reports that Israeli forces had entered Gaza's main hospital. We said that medical teams and the Arabic speakers were being targeted. This was incorrect and misquoted a Reuters report. We should have said IDF forces included medical teams and Arabic speakers for this operation. Yeah, they should have. Hey, how was that for uh, uh, my uh, interpretation of, uh, who did I say? Winston Churchill. (laughs) That was my best Winston Churchill, ladies and gentlemen. Goes on to say, we apologize for this error, which fell below our usual editorial standards, she concluded. (laughs) Oh, we're sorry we made this mistake. We don't normally do this. This fell below our usual editorial standards. Uh, BBC, you have no editorial standards. That's why this was so easy. And this type of thing happens over and over and over at your news uh, agency because you have no real standards. Or maybe they are somewhere up on the wall or in something on, uh, on some statement that you have, but you don't live by them. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, the BBC is the equivalent of CNN. And CNN and BBC are known for their falsehoods. Oy. The BBC's usual editorial standards <laughs> regarding Israel have included, among numerous other BBC international editor Jeremy Bowen describing leaflets dropped by Israel warning the civilian residents of northern Gaza to move south to safety as a non-lethal airdrop, but full of menace. (laughs) Full of menace? (laughs) A a, a military drops leaflets from the sky so the citizens can pick it up. And, and, And let's say that leaflet says, even if it said something like this, hey, idiot, we're gonna bomb you. Get out. <laughs> They're warning them. <laughs> but it was so filled with menace. <laughs> I mean, come on, BBC. Grow up and get a clue. 
They drop those leaflets to save lives. To save lives. I don't care what kind of menace was in it. If they tell them we're going to bomb this place, get out. I mean, come on. <laughs> These people, I mean, like I said, this is so ignorant and so stupid and so over the, over the top foolish that it's actually comical. And yet it shouldn't be comical because we're dealing with people's lives. BBC, what are you doing? BBC News presenter An- Anjana G- uh, Gadgil declaring, the Israeli forces are happy to kill children. No, they're not. BBC World Affairs editor John Simpson justifying the BBC's refusal to describe what he called the Hamas gunmen who carried out appalling atrocities in southern Israel as terrorists. And several journalists working for the BBC who posted anti-Israel tweets such as calling Israel the terrorist apartheid state of Israel. See, there they go again. Why are so many people um, buying into that lie that Israel is apartheid? Well, because we have liars in the BBC calling them apartheid. And I point out liars because that's exactly what that is. It's a lie. Anybody that's actually been on the ground in Israel knows. I can't honestly say Israel is apartheid. Honestly, I say. Because it's Israel is filled with, yes, Jewish people. But Jewish people from all range of um, um, racial colors and lines. It's filled with Christians, Arab Christians, European Christians, Russian Christians. It's filled with Arabs from, from various Arab uh, um, territories and regions and countries. It's filled with all kinds of people, not just visiting, but people that live there. I personally know several people that have migrated there from America and even from Europe to live there. And guess what? They're welcomed with open arms. They're treated as well as the uh, Jewish people are treated. So apartheid? BBC, you are liars. You are liars. And you know it. You sick, disgusting liars. And and all of you who, whether it be CNN, BBC, MSNBC, even Fox News, buy into the garbage that they're, they're spoon-feeding you. Stop. You're smarter than that. Or well, I hope you are. I hope you are. I hope you can figure these things out. This is just lie after lie after lie. Anyways, the, same, the last Part of that says the BBC who posted anti-Israel tweets such as calling Israel the terrorist apartheid state of Israel and another that labeled all Israelis terrorists. Really? Who are the ones that marched across the border and started killing citizens? Oh, that's right. It was the Palestinians, the Hamas. Who was cutting off babies' heads? Oh, that's right. Palestinians, Hamas. Who was baking children in front of their parents? Oh, that's right. It was Hamas. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, terrorists. Who didn't go in and start fighting against this wickedness until there was a declaration and leaflets dropped so innocent people can get out of the way? Oh, that was Israel. Who, when they took a hospital where Hamas was hiding, brought medical teams in, medical supplies, and Arab-speaking people to help in the communication and help the people in the hospital. Who was, Oh, that's right. That was the Israelis. Who was hiding in there using sick people as human shields? Oh, that's right. It was the Palestinians. It was the Hamas. Yeah, that's right. Who blew up their own school and blamed somebody? Oh, that's right. That was Hamas. That was the true terrorists. BBC, you disgust me. You are liars. Ladies and gentlemen, please, 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 please do yourself and everyone around you a favor. Stop listening to these people who lie. Stop listening to the propaganda. 
Stop buying into the foolishness. Just on a, take an honest look at it and do your own research. Ask people that have been to Israel. Just ask them, hey, did you see only Jewish people while you were in Israel? Or did you see other cultures and other peoples, other religions? Was everybody of the same hue and color? Or did you see other races there as well? Then ask people who have been to the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, or any other Islamic country such as that. Ask them how many different religions you, they saw walking around the street. How many Did they see mosques and churches and synagogues and temples? Or did they just see mosques in those con- countries? And then you come back and tell me who the apartheid state is. Do your research, ladies and gentlemen, and it's not that hard. It's not that hard at all. Not that hard at all. Do your research. This kind of wickedness, this kind of foolishness has got to stop. Because when you believe a lie, especially in regards to these types of things, when you believe a lie, you empower the wicked. You empower terrorists. When you believe a lie, you empower the murder and the beheading of little babies, little boys and girls. We need to stop for just a moment. Find the truth. Learn the truth, push the truth, and support the righteousness and support Israel at all costs. Because ladies and gentlemen, unless we get our act together, that might be us very, very soon. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers. Please email me at gwccrobert at gmail.com, gwccrobert at gmail.com. Now go out and have a table flipping day. Should I have said have a chipalicious day? Chipalicious. Now you're talking. Say goodbye, Chippy. Say goodbye.